Welcome to episode one of the In the Name of Service podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. Here, we broadcast the stories of men and women who've answered the call to serve in hopes of inspiring and catalyzing the rest of us to follow suit in our own way. Today's interview is with Jared Thompson. Jared is a retired Special Forces officer, or Green Beret, with multiple deployments to the Middle East as well as East Asia. Since his retirement, he has earned his private pilot's license and volunteered for a short-term mission to Kenya with Africa Inland Mission and served as a general contractor for the family home he's built in Virginia on 30 acres. He's married and has five children ranging from three years old to 20. You'll want to check out the show notes later uh, after this interview. I've included some definitions of some of the acronyms that Jared mentions like FTX, ROTC, ODA, infill, exfill, 0405, some of those things that if you aren't in the service may be unfamiliar to you, don't worry, I'll define those for you. You'll also find links to things that will give you more information about uh, the things that Jared mentions, like Special Operations Command, uh, Mac v. SOG, which is um, kind of Vietnam-era unconventional warfare that includes high-risk, low-oversight, ambiguous environments going in with small teams, uh, one of the things that inspired him. So I will list those links in the show notes, but for now, let's take a listen. Okay, uh, so we're here today with Jared Thompson, who just happens to be my favorite person on the earth, so no pressure there. <laughs> um, Jared? Tell us a little bit about yourself, just so we know some of your background and where you're coming from. Okay, um, my name is Jared Thompson. I guess as it pertains to this conversation, um, I am retired somewhat recently from the Army, retired about two years ago. Uh, served for 21 years, active duty. Most of that was in special operations. Started out in infantry. Um, and then I had some National Guard time as well um, while I was in college. But um, yeah, like I said, retired a couple of years ago. Not sure what I'm doing now other than around the house projects and just learning new skills and chasing the kids around. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you remember what originally led you to serve in the Army? Not specifically, I think. You know, as a, as a young kid, I like running around outside and playing soldier. I was always drawn to the trade or, or profession of being a soldier. So I guess I always made the assumption that at some point I would go into the Army um, to do something. I guess the older I got, the more I read and, and understood what sacrifices um previous generations have made it kind of solidified in my mind that yes I would you know go into the army or go into the service um go into the military at some point to to do my time whatever that whatever that meant at the time because we didn't have a this is all pre-9-11 so we didn't have a, a war looming but I still felt like checking that box is something that like I was definitely going to do I don't, I don't know why I didn't have a, like a long family history of anybody that served or anything like that. I did have a grandfather that served, um, but he he didn't start, seem to have enjoyed it. So it wasn't something he romanticized for me growing up. Um, but I don't know. I guess I just uh, 
you know, running around with guns and, and, and playing war was something I was drawn to. And I just, the next logical step as I matured was to, to kind of put that into action. What, do you remember what kinds of things you read or the types of information you found as you grew up that kept you interested? Yeah, I think a lot in like middle school, I read a lot of Vietnam era stuff, a lot of you know, light infantry type stuff, a lot of Mac V. Sog, like the indigenous advisors, like the, the predecessors to um, some of the units I ended up working with. Um, Did you yeah, find could, it on your own or? <clears throat> I think so. I don't know. I, I don't know how I was really introduced to any of it. Um, you know, this is the time of like, Rambo and you know Delta Force <laughs> and all these yeah. Navy SEALs, all these different movies that you know just have 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 guys doing unrealistic kind of things with um, in combat. So I, I can't I can't really say where. I mean I think that was just kind of the culture at the time of you know early eighties, mid eighties, eighteen things of that nature. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, do you remember the feeling? I mean, knowing you were drawn to uh, doing hard things, it sounds like, or challenging things. Yeah. Is there, do you remember the, a feeling behind that? Yeah, I, was, I mean, I don't know if it's a different feeling, but I think there was a tendency for me to do things that I knew that not everybody could do or wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, athletically, you know, different sports or just different challenges or just different, you know, weird things. And that's probably pretty common of, you know, young men growing up. But yeah, that, that even, you know, that especially after I got to the point where I had to select a branch and, you know, go into the military, I wanted to do something that wasn't just like, you know, I'm, doing my time yeah. yeah like I want to do something that other people would not want to do so like I remember some really tough FDX's and ROTC where like the, the weather would be bad and we'd been awake for a long time and or been hungry or whatever and, and the instructors would be like who who still wants to be infantry and like it would <laughs> inevitably be me and one other guy that we always kind of hung out we're like yes we still want to be infantry officers so I don't know, that's kind of jumping ahead, but yeah, things like that um, have probably always been the case yeah. for me. And as you went along pursuing this type of service that you felt drawn to, what are some of the things that you gave up just in that pursuit? Uh, I don't feel like I gave up a lot. Um, <clears throat> So, so in college, I'm, I majored in civil engineering, and that was that was pretty challenging. Um, and looking back, that was probably unnecessarily, like an unnecessary obstacle to put myself through, uh, because I guess at the time I was thinking, you know, again, this is pre 9-11, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll go into the Corps of Engineers, maybe I'll, I don't know, be some type of civil engineer in the service, and and, and kind of get credit for that experience and then get out after three or four years and then get my engineer's license and just go be a normal person and, and be a professional and make money. Um, so that was always kind of bouncing around in the back of my head. And so I worked 
pretty hard to complete that degree along with, you know, all the, the military kind of training and prerequisites we were being put through. But then, you know, 9-11 kind of changed my mind on everything. So I ended up just staying in the military and making a career out of that. And then nearing retirement, you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll go. What else do I know how to do as I'm looking back? Well, I, I don't remember how to be an engineer anymore. That, that ship has sailed. So <laughs> I feel like sometimes I kind of gave that up, mm-hmm. um, you know, a different, you know, more comfortable life or a, a life where I might have been good at a different thing. Um, but if I'd have done that other thing, I probably would have regretted, you know, leaving leaving service at a what I felt to be a critical time. Mm-hmm. And even what made you pursue um, special operations, you know, past the point? So you've grown up kind of drawn to this infantry type of career field. Well, then you made that. And what made you feel like there that you needed to do more? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've always liked working on smaller teams. So an infantry platoon was was fine. That was great. I think at the you know coming right out of college or coming out of the the basic course and ranger school and all that stuff being an infantry platoon leader was like the right job because that's all you've been doing. So you kind of understood the job, you know, the, you know, the tactics of it and, and how to be what I thought was a leader. Uh, but really you're just more of a, you're being more directive than you were uh, being a leader. Um, but you're working with a, a different kind of mindset of individual and you're asked to do the, the missions you are being asked to do are, are, are different as well. So what I found myself drawn to more and more was like working with just fewer people that I knew I could really trust that were a higher caliber that just that were capable of doing more than that. So um, I didn't really consider I mean, in college and all that, I, I didn't think I was going to be doing anything more than just, you know, the, the three or four years that I was uh, obligated to do. But um, once I became more serious about, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in the military. I want to, you know, serve as to whatever degree I can. It became apparent that I was going to go try to do something else with a, you know, a more selective organization. So considered Ranger Regiment. Um, Unfortunately, I was part of a branch detailed um, program that the Army called it. So post my infantry lieutenant time, I was required to go be to a transition course to be an ordnance officer. So essentially, the the Army had determined that my future in the Army would be as a, you know, combat service support. So working in motor pools or whatever, whatever that means. And um yeah, I, I couldn't really see myself doing that. Uh, it's just different cultures. It, it's all, you know, an essential function and, and an important part of uh, the army or any organization as a whole. But I, I just culturally and just I just couldn't see myself being excited about that role. So um, got a selection date. Now I actually had a selection date pre 9/11, so I was already on track to do that. Um, you know, before before the attack on our homeland. 
Uh, I didn't get to that date didn't occur until after the fact, but you know, all, all the paperwork is already approved and I was kind of just waiting on my date. Um, and I really did. I, I, I enjoyed selection. Um, it was primarily individual at the time. So, I mean, I had a great time just walk around the woods with a backpack. Um, there were some team events, but again, that kind of solidified for me. Like, man, there's people here for the wrong reasons. And then there's people here that think exactly like I do. And, and it's going to be great to work with them on some important missions, um, in the future. So that was kind of a big, uh, eye opener for me. Um, and yeah, that just, uh, continued to be the case going forward through, through training. I want to move towards your most kind of meaningful period of, or at least what you would consider your most meaningful period of service right now, whether it was a certain event or a certain mission or just a specific team. But um, before then, could you talk a little bit about um, the people there for the wrong reasons versus the same mindset as you and just, um, you know, walk that dog a little bit. So if people are wanting to serve, what are some of the, you know, the wrong reasons for trying to do hard things? Um, yeah, and, and there's people that I would consider have the wrong motivations that make it through a selection, that make it through training, that make mm-hmm. it to a team. That I mean, they're, they're high caliber individuals. They're they're <laughs> they're successful in all they do, and 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 essentially always will be. But what what I saw to be the difference, I guess, is just just kind of a self centeredness like it was a stepping stone it was it was a patch for them it was a badge it was a a beret whatever whatever you want to call it you know they're more interested in telling people that they were special forces or that whatever the case may be um then it was just shutting up and doing the job taking initiative to find um, ways that they could contribute to, you know, some type of operational gap or just contribute to the mission. Um, cause the good guys I worked with, the good teams I were, was on, you know, they were just kind of self-organizing. It wasn't me telling people what to do all day long and it wasn't me or the, you know, the senior enlisted, uh, guy on the team. It wasn't him. I mean, there, there were, was times where we had individuals on the team where we'd have to shepherd along a little bit more, but the good guys and the good teams, um, yeah, we just, everybody just kind of gave in together, you know, gave way together and, um, I hesitate to say self-organizing because, I mean, we are, this is kind of beat in as, beat in our brains to, to kind of operate in a certain way during the, the qualification course. And that culture carries on, you know, once once you're at your, your groups and teams and everything. So it's not an anomaly, I don't think. Um, but you still, you, you see guys that are kind of in it for themselves, who are tr- trying to track along and get in certain schools or certain missions or go on certain deployments. And, and it's not that it doesn't work out for them, but they probably don't stick around on good teams very long. They probably get passed around um if as as a team guy um as an officer that those guys exist as well um and again it it probably just comes down to a a 
self-centeredness, a, a, a pridefulness or an ego that is, is more, you know, their efforts are more tied to self-promotion than it is. Um, the um, mission. Yeah, more more than that than the mission. So I don't know. I mean, it takes all types. Um, some of those guys don't make it, you know, past the second day selection, and some of those guys end up in command of the very organizations that uh, I'm talking about. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, but they're not necessarily the individuals I'd, I'd like to serve with. Yeah. So um, can you tell me about a time when you felt that? you were in a position or in a role or on a team or on a mission where your kind of childhood dreams or expectations of serving came to fruition or you felt like you were really uh, in the moment you had been yeah. searching for. Yeah, def- definitely on ODA. Uh, like I said, on, as a, like a rifle platoon leader, you've been kind of trained and going through those reps for years at that point. So you know, all that, that normal ambush raid recon, battle drills and, you know, react to contact type stuff that you've been training on is, is somewhat second nature. It just feels like you're just continuing on year after year. But, uh, yeah, on an ODA, like you're, you're pitched all kinds of different, um, problem sets. And I've always loved like mission planning. I loved like planning things from, from the beginning. So, from, from infill to execution to, you know, exfill, like I, I was always kind of drawn to like the details of, of whatever it was. And that wasn't necessarily always my, my job. I just enjoyed it. So I enjoyed my time on an ODA and just all the just different weird kind of missions we went on and, uh, you know, the, the targets we had to prosecute and, uh, just the different curveballs and you know, opportunities we were given to to kind of step up and um, help out our partner units or help out um, you know some of the other coalition forces or to you know just I don't know do what we were trained to do. Um, but again, that was very tactical level. Your your time on you know an operational detachment as an officer is is fleeting. I got a little more time than, than most just because of the way things, you know, shook out between deployments and everything. So I was, I was happy to get a couple of good turns under my belt with, with, uh, with a, with a team and and then another team. Um, but again, I didn't feel like I was leading or serving. I felt like I was just having fun and I was doing what I was trained to do. And, and I, you know, just love serving with the guys that were around me. You know, I knew their, their families very well. I felt, you know, obligated to them as well um, just to make sure that, you know, I was training them the best way as possible um, and I was doing my job um, well in, in order to, you know, ensure that their husbands um, and fathers came home safely. Um, but then, like, at that next 04, 05 level, you know, you're not down in the weeds. You're not necessarily in the trucks hitting targets and and just doing all the, the stuff that drew you to that life in the first place and then you look and you're like well I still have like half my career left like what what is what's going on now what do I do and that and that's the point a lot of guys just yes. kind of yeah. go do go find something else to do mm-hmm. um, 
and I'm kind of in that transition point now, but, you know, I decided to kind of fill out those next 10 or 11 years. But then you just kind of determine, like, yeah, you still have to serve. Like, you're still being a leader isn't all being directive and it isn't all it's not going to be fun necessarily um you, you still owe owe quite a bit to the men that are out there conducting that mission whether it be just removing obstacles or developing relationships that allows them to get out the door or making sure they got the best training or the best equipment or taking care of their families whatever the case may be it's just it's just sacrificing um in a different way um so I found satisfaction in that <clears throat> as well. That's, but it's something I wasn't. It's not that I didn't realize it. I just didn't see myself in that position until I was in that position. So, right. what have the sacrifices looked like in your own life for the service that you had? Mm, I'd say more than anything, just just time away from. Um, for my family, so I think, and you don't notice it much when when you're the guy out there doing it, but you miss a lot of, a lot of life, I guess, just a lot of weeks, months, and years, um, just physically apart from, you know, the people that you love and care about, and say that you're, you know, um, indirectly supporting, so, thing is uh just coming back and just it kind of slaps you in the face at some point that yeah you don't remember um certain things and or you can miss certain periods of life or you don't you can't take part in all the stories that everybody was telling because you were you know on, on the other side of the world or you know at a training event or or whatever the case may be so it doesn't sound like a it doesn't seem like a sacrifice when you're when you're young or when you're single and, and everything else, but uh, yeah, as, as life develops, but you're still kind of walking that walk. That at some point, it's it's a sacrifice for your family uh, and and for you. Was there any point in time when you thought it was a mistake or a poor investment of your time? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, there there have been frustrating times, just just watching watching the news and watching how things unfold and watching how organizations that you've contributed to so much kind of evolve out of you know what they're best at. Um, but yeah, you can't. So success, I guess, was more so just keeping keeping the fight from our doorstep. So mm-hmm. I, I, all I can really say is, like, on my watch, I can feel good about, you know, the time that I spent, you know, with my brothers downrange, just making sure um, that what we were doing contributed to the, the safety and security of our families and our, you know, homeland. Now, it's been difficult, you know, recent years, just kind of watching how things have unfolded in Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, other parts of the world. Um, but I would, I would never regret, like the, you know, the time that I spent or you know, the the sacrifices I made during the years that I was serving. So, so no. And how do you see? Well, now you've transitioned out of the army but it's clear you have a heart 
to serve and to do difficult things and do things that other people maybe don't want to or aren't willing to and um what does it look like now kind of internally without having a specific mission to go after yeah i don't i don't know i mean i'm i'm still wrestling with that and and figuring out what a good fit would be You get so much advice, like as you're transitioning or retiring or whatever, and most of it's just like, go do whatever you want to do, <laughs> whatever you're passionate um, about. Yeah, and I hate I hate that word. I hate people, to, you know, telling me to do what I'm passionate about. Um, because yeah, there's a lot of things I'm interested in. There's probably things I'm better at than others, but um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I need to leave a huge mark or or have my name known or anything like that. But you want to find a purpose um some type of it doesn't have to be an organization but some somewhere to align your efforts and your values with uh so you feel like you're you're, you're doing positive things with your with your time and, and resources and setting a good example for your kids and, and everything else and ideally earning a living while you're doing it but yeah i'm not sure what that's looking like or i'm just enjoying the time you know, learning some, some construction skills and <laughs> spending time with my spouse and that's Thank it. you. Something will work out. Yeah. What, you've been in all kinds of roles throughout your, you know, military career and even, you know, you volunteer at the church and, and different things. What advice do you have for other people who would who kind of feel that call that that you felt as a child like you just want to do something more you're willing to do something more um so they want to serve but they don't really know how to start yeah and, and there's probably not a perfect entry point for any one individual um I'm becoming involved in the church was was something that you know, I, I did early and often, I guess, as a kid, just just doing whatever they needed to do around the church. Um, it was usually something to do with maintaining the grounds, but uh, I would say you don't you don't need permission. You don't need a, a particular skill set. You don't have to be employed by some you know global nonprofit in order to be a servant. You don't have to go to seminary to be a servant. You just have to recognize where there's a need, um, yeah, and, and be willing to, to address it. And I, that could look a number of different ways. Um, there's probably more need around us than, than we would like to recognize. So, again, uh, it, it really just comes down to kind of putting your ego aside and, and doing some work that's probably not glamorous or probably not fun and probably not doing it for the purpose of recognition or for giving being given another opportunity to do something else you would rather do so as much as it it sucks you kind of just got to get over yourself and do things um, that you recognize need to be done that probably aren't going to get done and just just doing it not talking about it not asking for permission but um just addressing needs um and you know if you if your motives are right and you know the lord wills it then you will have other opportunities um 
that's that's about it. That in your environment, I would say, like you, you need to surround yourself with people that are trying to do a little bit more. Um, you know, whether that's a workout partner or a study partner or just you know a, a business colleague, someone who strives to be uh, excellent at, at whatever they do. Um, so that that will always bring out the best in an individual uh, who are to your left and right. So just that kind of iron sharpens iron type of concept, I would say. And it doesn't have to be in, in the vein of service. It could just be, you know, it could be entrepreneurship or, or whatever the case may be. But if you're around people that are try to be their very best, um, you're, you're going to get better at identifying opportunities where you can be your best as well. That and for people who are not married, I would say that selecting the right spouse, I mean, for the long term, that's going to kind of set you up for success as far as like the path you're going to go and, and what opportunities or adventures you're going to pursue together. Um, for so many reasons, I've, I've seen guys who just, who were pulled in all types of different directions just because them and their spouse weren't on the kind of the same uh you know, worldview or, or, or had, didn't have the same values. And it was, it was really kind of tough to, to watch. Um, but it doesn't mean they can't kind of grow together in, in a similar direction, but, uh, it's a lot of, a lot easier if you start out, um, married to someone who, um, you know, has again, the same values and is willing to understand, what you want to do as far as uh, serving and sacrificing and can support you in doing that uh, and vice versa. I like, I like those three tips. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, sometimes when you were gone, I would have people comment, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, he's gone. And it's like I had I would have a very strong reaction to that internally, not externally, of course, because they're trying to be nice. But um, it was definitely a matter of pride for me because – you know, the way that I could serve the world is by essentially sacrificing you. Um, it sounds bad, but I knew, you know, and know what you're capable of. And I'm always happy to, to see you go off and, and do things that other people aren't able to do or aren't willing to do. And um, even after you got out, you know, you took a trip to Kenya. <laughs> like another thing that, you know, just um, another way that you raised your hand and did something challenging. He learned to fly before that, by the way, but, um, it's been an exciting ride. So, um, thank you for all you've done and all you do. And, um, any parting thoughts before we end our conversation today? No, I'm sure I'll think of all kinds of smart things to say <laughs> once you hit stop. Yeah. But, um, that's the way it works. No, that's it. Thank you.